All right, it is Wednesday evening, 7.30. I'm Gabe DeArmond. That means it's the 573 Report brought to you by 573Tees.com. You guys can check them out online. You can check them out right now because I'm wearing a shirt from 573Tees.com delivered to me in person this afternoon. Excellent service. Uh, you guys make sure to give them some business. Uh, we talked to the owner today. He said every Wednesday and Thursday, he sees a little uptick from Power Mizzou's people checking out his site. So go to 573Ts.com. Check them out. Appreciate uh, those of you who are here on time. Appreciate those of you who will uh, join us, you know, a little less than on time. Uh, Mitchell Forty is there on the other side of your screen now. And, uh, Mitch, I think it's appropriate we start this show with a moment of silence for uh, Nebraska's chances to upset a four-string quarterback. That's over this weekend. Um, we think Missouri's playing, uh, but the Big Ten has joined the fray and the country is finding out football during COVID is just kind of a wait and see deal every week. Yeah, it is. And it's uh, it's even harder when, you know, the, there's a 21 day waiting period and you have to stop at five year five percent of your team uh, test positive. Um so yeah, it, it it you know even in the SEC, it's uh we get to about this point every week, as we say, and and we think we know that a game's going to happen or who Missouri is going to play, um, but in in the Big Ten, they they have that uncertainty coupled with the fact that it's very possible a whole season a whole season might kind of stop because right. they're not making up games. Yeah, there's there's no uh, there's no off weeks. There's nothing. Uh, we're going to play nine games in nine weeks, except. Maybe we won't. Uh, we think right now Missouri is playing Florida at 6.30 Saturday night. Um, we have no indication to the contrary. Dan Mullen, come hell or high water, is going to make his kids practice on Election Day, and he's going to make them play Saturday night. And his wife is going to kiss them all as they get off the bus, and the game is going to happen at 6.30 in, in Gainesville. So uh, that that's where we're at. Um, we'll talk a little bit about last week, a little bit about this week. We'll take your guys' questions, comments uh, throughout the show. Bradley, he's already chiming in, and, and we'll get there in a minute. But please do uh, feel free to just take part and uh, – let us know what's on your mind, what you guys want to talk about. It's better that way than if we just sit here and blab. But uh, Saturday, I don't know, Mitch, you were there. That was the weirdest football game I've seen in a long time. I mean, it was – it seemed like Missouri was clearly the better team for 60 minutes of 60 possible minutes, and yet somehow Kentucky had the ball with a chance to tie the game in the fourth quarter. Just – I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like that. Yeah, I, I think if you're a Missouri fan and you didn't have some flashbacks to that 2018 game for a couple minutes in the fourth quarter, you're lying because it was similar in that, you know, Missouri clearly looked like the better team, um, but it was a low enough scoring game and they, they you know, kind of blew enough opportunities at, at scoring that Kentucky was just kind of hanging around and, uh, you know, a couple points uh, in the second half, it's only a seven point game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was it was closer than it needed to be in a sense, but also it was uh, really a complete domination, yeah. you know, in, in another sense and uh, pretty encouraging 
you know, coming off the heels of an LSU win where I think a lot of people, myself included, were questioning, okay, how much was that Missouri being good and how much was that LSU just imploding? They followed it up not only with a, a strong win, but with a win where they they kind of did the opposite thing. Instead of throwing the ball all over the place, they, you know, used their line of scrimmage and their running game to, to, to hang on to it uh, for, I think it was 43 minutes. Yeah. Um, when Kentucky got the ball back, absolutely. I was going, well, I don't know how Missouri's going to lose this game, but Missouri's going to lose this game because that's what Missouri does against Kentucky. And really the second straight week where we're sitting here going, I know Missouri's going to lose this game, probably in the most heartbreaking fashion possible. (laughs) But maybe Eli Drinkwitz has just erased like 131 years of curses in three and a half weeks. You know, He's, he's fixed it all. Yeah, I mean, probably not. But also, I think, you know, just that he's going to lose games like all the other previous coaches. But I mean, like it does, you know, it, what, it is you big to. Yeah. He's going to lose games? Okay. okay. Yeah, probably. Probably. Probably some in painful fashion. I hate to I hate to break that news. But um, yeah, I mean, like it is like, but it is important to, you know, beat Kentucky. <laughs> I mean, that like was a baffling losing streak and, and more so than just, you know, another win in the win column. Like that does represent something for fans. It's like, okay, it's progress. It's just something you could definitively point to and say that the last group didn't do this. The new one hires already. Like that's, that's progress. And like we said last week, beating Kentucky is something you should do if you want to be a consistent player in the SEC East. So I'm curious, like, and look, we, we talk a lot. I'm, we're both on the radio. We both post a lot. So you've probably already seen kind of what I think about this, but more important win for the program, LSU or Kentucky? I think, well, I think Kentucky because of, I guess, you know, because it came second. I don't know. I like if the, if the order had been reversed, I might've said LSU um, because if that Kentucky game had been first, it would have been the same thing where it's like, wow, was Kentucky just terrible or was Mizzou good? But um, like, I mean, yeah, like, and also, you know, with LSU winning this past week, that one looks a little better. So I'm tempted to say LSU, but I'll go with Kentucky just because, like I said, I came into that game yet really not knowing how good Missouri could be. And also, you know, I did not think their offensive line was capable of that. I didn't think their run defense was capable of that. Um, and it just, it does open the door to winning games with a, with a different style of play, which, you know, as Eli Drinkwitz aptly pointed out uh, during his press conference yesterday, like that's the mark of a good team is you can't just have one thing you do well, because if, you know, another team will figure out how to slow that down and then you have no, uh, no backup plan. I, I think nationally the LSU win is clearly going to be bigger. That resonates more yes. with more people, but within this fan base, within that locker room, I actually think Kentucky's uh, more impressive, more important. I mean, they, I used this phrase a few times Saturday, they stared down some ghosts on Saturday and maybe Eli Drinkwitz has nothing to do with it. Connor Bazelak has nothing to do with it, but some of those guys had something to do with it. Um, you know, I did. Uh, I did enjoy. Uh, did you see Demarcus Acey's tweet during the game? I did not. No. Okay, it was right about the point Kentucky got the ball back. I think, and it said something along the lines of, "This is complete domination." SEC, don't call, go calling any BS pass interference penalties. You know, something like that. Glad so, to see he hasn't forgotten. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody who was in the stadium has forgotten, much less him. But uh, you know, so. I look case really brings up the, this is how we know we're making it 
Bob Douglas isn't even here, and we have people asking where Bob Douglas is in the comments. Oh, don't worry. He's popped in now. Oh, he's here. <laughs> oh, oh, he has COVID. Oh, I'm so sorry to see that, Bob Douglas. Okay, I have not uh, caught up yet. Let me. Oh, oh, yeah. Bob Douglas is typing a paragraph here. Oh, no. Bob Douglas, COVID. That's. Get Wilson, my number one fan. I mean, I you know, Mitch my Mitch will be your uh DoorDash driver. He will bring you your food for the next two weeks. He will deliver high V groceries, whatever you need. He'll bring that you That seems unlikely. He'll bring you a t shirt from five seven three T's. It seems to be the least that Mitch could do. Bob Douglas with COVID. This is I jokingly started with a moment of silence for Nebraska, but this is uh this is tough news to take. I, I don't know how I'm how I'm going to deal with this. So uh, should we just stop the show now? Yeah, it's I, I mean we've been going ten minutes. It feels like enough at this point. Uh, Bo wants to know what we're drinking. It is all water tonight. Look, Saturday night is the drinking show. Wednesday night is the uh, Wednesday night is the very calm and professional show. So uh, that's what, also it's I mean it's Wednesday night. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of an adult, right? All right. So uh, this week, um, before we get to kind of some of the questions, comments about Florida, just initial thoughts. Um, and look, I don't I don't know what to expect because I don't even know who Missouri is playing. I, I mean, I don't know if this is Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts in a really good offense or if this is a team with like six guys out. Uh, that start. I, I have no idea what team Missouri is going to play on Saturday. Right. Yeah. That's Mullen's clearly the big, us. right. That's clearly the big question along with, you know, what does a team look like when it hasn't been able to practice for two weeks and really two plus, I mean, they, they got back on the practice field Monday, but it wasn't, you know, a full practice. They're not able to start doing full practices until tomorrow. Um, so yeah, I mean like, you know, Florida's only played three games. They haven't played in three weeks, so you don't know how they're going to be in that layoff, and we don't know who's going to take the field. Um, so, you know, you kind of prognosticate and guess based on full-strength Florida, but I, I I would guess they won't be. I mean, it's just like odds are uh, they won't they won't have everyone out there. I don't know. We'll see. Kyle Trask talked with the media this week, so we think there's a decent chance he plays, but aside from that, no one really knows. Yeah, um, I, I mean, look, they could look like the Tennessee Titans, right? They took two weeks off yeah. and came out and kicked Buffalo's Pass up and down the field. So if Florida signs Derrick Henry between now and Saturday, I'm going to pick Florida for sure. Um, I, I don't, well, yeah, yeah. I don't think if, there's if Derrick Henry is back in college, I will pick his team to win as well. <laughs> so um, before we go to, to some of the Florida questions and comments, Matthew Smith wants to know how close were you to picking Mizzou to win against Kentucky? Why or why not? I, I didn't pick Missouri to win that game for one reason. Cause they hadn't won that game. That's it. I mean, I, I, thought Missouri had a chance I thought Missouri might win I just when I made my pick I clearly thought I would rather be called a dumbass for picking Kentucky to win and having Missouri pleasantly surprise these people rather than picking Missouri to do something they haven't done since 2014 and then having the opposite happen and having everybody be mad at me and say why didn't you tell us Missouri was going to do this again yeah yeah I mean kind of the same way for me also I, I had picked Missouri to be Kentucky two years in a row. So like, I'm just at a point, I was just kind of at a point where I was like, I, uh, you got to show me that you could win. Like I'm tired of, of picking them. Also, I, the one thing that I thought going into the game, I, I did think Missouri was going to struggle to stop the run for Kentucky. 
just because, um, you know, they, I mean, they really struggled against Tennessee and Kentucky's built pretty similarly with a really good offensive line. Um, but, you know, clearly, I mean, even shorthanded, you know, these past two games, they have turned something around in that, in that run defense. And yet like this season is, we've got to have figured out by now last Saturday means nothing about this Saturday, right? I mean, Missouri could go win this game. Missouri could also get blown out in this game because three weeks ago, everybody was ready to, you know, start wearing their masks around their heads like Jeremy Pruitt did. And Tennessee was great. And they were maybe going to challenge Georgia and Florida. And now Tennessee is garbage and Missouri, everybody had given up on and now Missouri's back. And, I think everybody in the SEC outside of Alabama and Georgia and maybe one other one or two other teams are just going to finish five and five. Yeah, I mean, that's really possible. Like we I think we said, you know, last week it's Alabama and Georgia at the top and Vanderbilt at the bottom. And then like everyone else in the middle could could I, I think very easily beat the other team on the right week. Um, but there's also so much inconsistency within that group. Like, you know, yeah, like, um, you know, it, I'm trying to think of a good example, but the Tennessee one is perfect. I mean, Tennessee beats Missouri badly. Kentucky beats Tennessee badly. Then Missouri beats Kentucky badly. It just, you know, it, yeah, it, it, it's hard to project. It's even harder when you've got a team that hasn't played in three weeks and we don't know who they're going to have available. Yeah. Sir Mufflebun says he's been impressed with the run defenses late. I think they struggled against Tennessee because of Tennessee's dominant offensive line. And, and that's true, certainly. But Missouri had Kobe Whiteside in that game. It had Darius Robinson in that game. Kentucky's offensive line was supposed to be kind of similar to Tennessee's offensive line, right? I think I they haven't told I, yeah. us specifically what changed, but I, I mean, I know people hate to hear this answer because we hate to hear it every week, but like they just played better. I, I yeah. don't know if there's any big secret. They just played better in that game. Yeah, a big thing that they've talked about a few times, they said, you know, they kind of struggled to get lined up against Tennessee. Um, we're getting the calls in late and didn't have people maybe where they needed to be pre-snap. Um, so that could be a factor, uh, maybe simplified things a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, like, you know, just probably as, as you know, figured guys figured some things out and, and they, yeah, they started playing better. I mean, it's not uncommon to see, you know, groups improve as the season goes on. And, and I actually do think, by the way, like, Tennessee's offensive line is really good, but Kentucky's offensive line is close when it's playing well. It's really good. Um, now, I, I was—I think their offensive line coach wasn't at the game on Saturday. I don't know if that actually has an impact on in-game performance. He's battling cancer. But, um, like, yeah, I, I, I went into that game thinking Kentucky had a good chance to do what Tennessee did and, and was uh, was definitely proven wrong. And I think that's, I mean, that's important because outside of Georgia, I don't know that Missouri's playing a better offensive line this year than, uh, than Alabama, or sorry, than Tennessee and Kentucky. Both passing games, incredibly impressive. The quarterback play at Tennessee and Kentucky has just been marvelous <laughs> the last couple weeks. So uh, good news. Uh, we need breaking news here in the, uh, in the show. Bob Douglas already feels better because he's watching this sh uh, the show, Mitch. So, be, be, congrats to you. You're a healer. Uh, it's it's wonderful. That's good. I think I think that's best. If this can get him through it, as instead of me being his DoorDash and grocery deliverer, that would be ideal. I'd I, rather not do that. I mean, we're going to start promoting this show as uh, as the show that can cure COVID, uh, because we've we've done things for Bob Douglas already. He's he's already yeah. feeling better. So. Um, all right, I'm just going to kind of go through some of these comments and questions in random order, trying to save some of the Florida stuff for for later so we can kind of concentrate on that in the second half of the show. But 
Uh, are you concerned with the latest transfers? Um, so Maurice Massey got kicked off the team, basically. We don't really know when that happened. We know he was arrested um, on, what would that have been, Monday night? I think Sunday. Sunday night? Okay. Yeah. Um, and we know by the time people asked about it on Monday morning, he was off the team. And basically, he opted out in, what, August. He hasn't been around the team. So the team kind of wanted to present that as, hey, we haven't talked to him in three months, and we just decided at this point move on. And then Aubrey Miller, who also opted out in August, uh, trans said today he was in the transfer portal. Um Here's the lesson that really everybody probably should. And, and it's not it's not 100 percent. There are going to be some guys who opt out who did it for health reasons, for covid reasons, who do come back. But for the most part, if you opted out like there's a pretty decent chance you're not coming back and playing for that team at any point. Yeah, I would just say don't be surprised if anyone who has already opt out transfers. Um, yeah. Like you said, I don't think everyone will, but I, I think like if any of any, any of those guys, if I saw them pop up in the transfer portal tomorrow, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, and because and here's the deal, and I know this is the part we're not supposed to say and all that, but the truth of the matter is college kids generally seem to, there's not a huge danger for them from this, right? I mean, I, there's always the exception. And look, if a kid opted out for legitimate health reasons. He's got something in his background or he's got something in his family. That's okay. Uh, I mean, it's okay for whatever reason he opted out. But the truth is most college athletes are not suffering grave effects from this. And this is fair or not going to be viewed in a locker room as, I mean, you kind of decided to walk away from us. Um, yeah, you can come back, but think you're kind of going to start fourth on the depth chart and have to work your way back up like you're just getting here I, I mean that's fair to say right yeah I would think so I mean it kind of especially too I mean Missouri was was pretty short-handed to start the season I mean they you know they've they lost some guys to season ending injuries they had a few guys out with COVID at different points this season um I I mean I think I think you know yeah quite a few of the people who opted out probably just already were saying yeah I'm pretty far down the depth chart and I don't feel like playing on the scout team um, and, and others who maybe had other reasons. I still think, yeah, yeah it's going to be difficult after a year away from the team to come back and, and just like hop right back in. Like nothing happened. Yeah. Cause somebody asked in, in my mailbag today, could, could you see them approaching any of these kids who opted out and say, Hey, we're shorthanded at these positions. Let me tell you one thing. No football coach is going to do is go to a kid and say, I know you walked away from us in August, but like things are going pretty good now and we might be good and we kind of need somebody at your position. No, <laughs> there is zero chance that any of the coaches, and that's not just Missouri. That's anywhere. They're not going to approach yeah. these kids and ask if, ask if they want to come back. I mean, if the kids want to come back, I, I'm not going to say they won't be welcome back, but I don't think anybody's really going to have their feelings hurt. If nobody that opts out comes back to their team next year. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I think that's kind of, I mean, I, kind of the expectation like you said like i'm sure a few of them will find their way back but at this point like yeah once someone's opt out you kind of just count them as likely gone <laughs> yeah um all right jake edwards uh i've seen bowl projections with mizzou being mentioned what have you heard about how that would work this season with no qualifying uh standards so the whole the whole no bowl standards i think was put in 
when they thought the Big Ten wasn't playing, they thought the Pac-12 wasn't playing, they thought the Mountain West wasn't playing, they thought the MAC wasn't playing. They basically thought, well, we're going to have, what, 72 teams, and we've got 78 bowl spots, so that's not enough. So let's just tell everybody they can come in. Well, now you're you're back to where you have more teams. I, I don't know, like, I guess we're probably going to see a situation where, like, two and six Nebraska probably gets an invite over, you know, five and three, I don't know, name some random team who won't sell as many tickets. Uh, the bowls are going to be weird this year. There's really no standard for it. And not that yeah, there's normally I mean, a standard for bowl games. I mean, you know, right. the, the quick lane bowl is, is going to invite somebody. Our favorite, our yeah. favorite bowl. Um, I mean, yeah, like, first of all, we don't actually know which bowl games are going to happen. There's already been a few that have just said not worth it. Um, I, I mean, the I wouldn't be one. stunned if a few more do that. Uh, yeah, all the good ones, all the all the destination but, bowls. Las Vegas um, is but, still happening, though. And it's an SEC spot. That's the dream. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, really, actually, I, I can just sum it up by saying I have no clue how the bowl selection process is going to work uh, other than – other than if, uh, yeah, if I would assume if there's no standards that the high major teams will take up most of the spots, even if, unless I guess, I don't know, there's probably tie-ins and stuff like that. Well, because like, yeah. another thing about these bowls is, okay, the big deal is how many people can you bring? Well, I, there's going to be a limit to how many people you can bring, right? I mean, Kansas State isn't going to be able to bring 50,000 people to whatever bowl game they go to it's going to be capped at like 12-5 or whatever. I mean, I can't I can't imagine a scenario where we've suddenly got full stadiums on December 27th for bowl games. So, yeah, the the short answer is we don't have any clue. Um so I, I yeah. guess we could have just said that and, and saved 3 minutes at the beginning. So, uh so I I hope you found value in that, Jake. Uh, I hope you'll keep watching the show, but the the truth is uh that that honestly nobody knows. Um all right, so Bradley wants to know what's what's the biggest key to victory on Saturday. Um, I mean, who like who shows up is a big part of it for both teams, right? Um, because even if somebody is scheduled to show up right now, we all know that, hey, they test again tomorrow and they'll get results back Thursday. I'm actually waiting for the first Justin Turner situation where, like, a ball is in midair – and they just go out and grab Devontae Smith and say, you can't catch that ball, you have COVID, you got to come out of the game. <laughs> but you can come back and celebrate that, if your team wins. That was wild. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. It, <laughs> yes, the biggest question is always who's going to be on the field, and especially this week with Florida. Um, I mean, other than that, like, I think your go-to has to be, like, can Mizzou slow down Florida's passing game? Uh, like, Florida kind of carved up Mizzou last year and that was the, that was definitely Mizzou's defense worst game I think well against the past Trask had like 350 yards um three touchdowns I think he completed two-thirds of his passes and uh I mean he's been playing well this year and obviously they haven't played the past three weeks but yeah I mean like uh, you know Missouri was able to score a bunch of points and hang in the high scoring game with LSU but LSU's defense was like historically terrible in that yeah. game I would I would think Eli Drinkwitz and company would like to keep this like in the low thirties, high twenties, if they're going to have a shot. I mean, I think they know they're not going down there and winning 20 to 10. I mean, this is oh, yeah, going to be sure, a contest. For sure. Yeah. Right. It's not going to be 20 to 10, but I also think if this gets up in the forties, I don't know that Mizzou can, can score with Florida. Yeah. Uh, so I was just thinking, you were talking about that passing attack. The 2018 game 
at in Gainesville where, you know, Missouri got Barry Odom's only win over a ranked team and Drew Locke had a, had a good day and all that. I, I remember Felipe Franks getting pulled in that game and Trask coming in. Was that the last game Franks started or did he start again after that? I, I don't know offhand. Um, yeah, I think I think he did start again the next season because then he like broke his leg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Against Kentucky in like the second game of the year, and then Trask was really good. And that was one of those situations where, it, like, I think universally, and it's mean to say, but the the immediate reaction was, "Oh, Florida just got better because yeah. Kyle Trask is going to play and Felipe Franks is out," and I, that, like that that's what kind of stuns you about some of these coaches. I mean. Kyle Trask got put in by an injury. And I don't see any way that you could have watched a Florida football practice and thought Felipe Franks was the better quarterback. <laughs> I mean, I never yeah, saw I a football practice, but he was – he's still just a guy out there. Yeah. We might be slightly jaded because the the oh. 2018 Missouri Florida game was like the worst quarterback play I've ever seen. It was – I mean, did you – no, did you watch last weekend? <sighs> Uh, who who left? Oh, Kentucky? Kentucky. Yes, that's true. Because that was Felipe worse. Franks was better. Felipe but, Franks would start yeah. every game for Kentucky. That's true. But also, like Kentucky didn't try to throw that much. They just didn't get very many plays. Like Florida, I, they mean, like they got they had plenty of drives because Mizzou was scoring relatively quickly. Quickly, like it was just it was a train wreck. Um, yeah, I mean, like yeah, I I agree though. I I don't really understand how yeah how Felipe Franks was was you view it as the starter at any point other than, you know, I know Kyle Trask, like never even played for his high school team or something like that. I don't right. know. Maybe they just didn't trust him, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's been really good this year for the most part. Um, so that will be uh that will be a bit of a challenge. All right. So, okay. Case wants to know big if, but if, well, he's not really asking a question, more of a statement, but if Mizzou wins Saturday, the next game will be the biggest game since 2014. I mean, I, yeah, I guess, right? Because they, they, they kind of made a habit from 2015 to 2019 of just completely burying themselves in, like, the first four games of the season. So, really, at that point, the only meaning in any game was, I don't know, can you get eligible for the Belk Bowl, RIP? Uh, you yeah. Know? But, yeah, I guess yeah. that would be a fair statement. Um, I think that 20... 20- uh, I guess it was 18 year. Um, they started like four and zero, and then Georgia came to town or maybe it was three and zero, and Georgia came down. I didn't beat anyone any good. It was like, you know, right. UT Martin, Purdue and Wyoming. Um, but like, that was a kind of a big game because at that point, you know, they're undefeated. I think Mizzou was ranked. It was Georgia. And, uh, you know, they're still thought game like, for two or three quarter. It, yeah, Mizzou had a bunch of turnovers and like had a kick blocked or something like that. But uh, yeah, I like that. I think that was a little bigger because like at that point, you could still win the SEC East. Now, yes, I guess theoretically if Mizzou wins this week, they could, but it just seems like such a long shot to me still. Um, you know. But but theoretically, beating... this game is for sole possession of second place in the SEC East. Right. Well, it, Missouri would be tied with Florida, but would have a, have a tiebreaker. The tiebreaker, And yes. then you're playing Georgia, who would only be a game ahead of you. So – I mean, technically what he says is right. It's just hard to see uh, the chances of Missouri going 2-0 the next two, three weeks don't seem very high to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, I mean, it'd be fun to, like, yeah, yeah have, you know, have the Georgia game matter. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. 
it's still going to be a big game either way. You know, it's it's a it's a, a good team. People are going to be interested to see how they play in that one. I think, so. especially if you come out of this one it, it, either with a win or at least just kind of acquitting yourselves well. You know, if you right it, because the the viewpoint going into this one right now is it's Georgia and Florida, and then five just yeah I don't know we got to fill the schedule with somebody in the SEC East. So if you could at least show that hey. We can we can compete with Florida. Then you can kind of maybe start pushing yourself into that conversation, not just for this year, but going into next year. People might look at Missouri and say, "That's the team we picked third in the SEC East." Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I was just reading the comments that Case brought up something I forgot, which was that uh, in that Georgia game, Tucker McCann appeared to make a field goal, which I still kind of think to this day he made, and it just counted as a miss. That was kind of wild. That's right. I forgot. There was another really – I mean, like – That that was yeah, also like, the game where Albert O's forward he, progress had been completely stopped, and it was a yeah. fumble return for a touchdown. And then – well, and also – I don't think the fumble was returned for a touchdown, but his progress was stopped there. And then Georgia had a defensive player going in to score, a player, a receiver, someone going in to score who dropped the ball in front of the pylon, and oh, they didn't catch that. Yeah. Like, I back to the field, I assumed the ref who was right under the, the little, you know, upright had a better view than me, but I still am baffled that it was no good. Well, I mean, look, Lane Kiffin would have gotten fined so much money uh, in that oh, game. Well. And it would have been amazing, and I would have loved to have covered his Twitter tirade. Yeah, my favorite thing, before we move on to anything else, my favorite thing about this whole week is the SEC telling Lane Kiffin, you are 100% right. Everything you're bitching about, you're that's accurate. Please pay us $25,000 for bitching about it. Yes, and then Lane tweeting about paying it in pennies, among other things. It is, I mean, it's really incredible. We needed him in this league. If Lane Kiffin started a GoFundMe, his fine to the SEC would be paid in like three hours. And it oh, wouldn't all less. be old, old Miss fans. Like, I would contribute to it. <laughs> not much, but I, I don't would know. contribute. I don't know. If I, I mean, yeah, yeah, I'd give a penny. Yeah, We're why not, not throw, <laughs> throw a penny in there? <laughs> yeah, I'd give him a buck. I'm not, I'm not going to pay like $100. But there yeah. would absolutely be plenty of, uh, plenty of fans that would contribute to that. SEC, or, uh, you know, um, Ole Miss and beyond. So, uh, Travis Van Sickle, obviously a subscriber, wants to know why the board is obsessed with my Mike Leach. Look, Mike Leach is a fun dude, man. Like I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with him too. Uh, he's and he's a good coach. Uh, he, he's not going to win the SEC, but he's a pretty good coach. He wins. Yeah, I think the short answer is he's different. Um, yeah. And like you know, a lot of times when you're a school like Missouri, you kind of have to zag a little bit. Like it's very hard to just like hire a you know former Saban assistant and try to become Little Alabama because you're never going to have the facilities and all that that and the resources of a, of a, you know one of those bigger schools. Um, and also, yeah, he's funny. Um, now, like it's uh, yeah, the situation at Mississippi State at the moment is not amazing. <laughs> um, well, I think they've had like seven like seven. I, players I leave the program call that this rats week, off a ship yeah but i mean also like no, it's the kind of thing that happens when you well, when you change coaches especially when the coach says publicly like i'm gonna start chasing dudes off i mean he's yeah. not making any secret he's good now I, I think he probably would prefer to have kylan hill have stuck around for the, the yeah yeah there's a certain line where like you you like want to like purge the system a little bit maybe get guys that are like more uh you know your style but also where like there's some players who you might want to get to stick around like you know the best running back in the sec yeah, the guy who led the sec in rushing last year like 
like if he doesn't fit your style, then your style might kind of need to change a little bit. Um, yeah. just throwing it out there, you know. So, um, hot shoulders wants to know if Chris <laughs> Turner has ever made a tackle. I can confirm that he has. Um, I have seen it with my own eyes. Yes, I. And I just add that to prove that. Look, we we see your comments. Uh, they're there, even. <laughs> Some that are kind of ridiculous and not very nice. Every now and then <laughs> we might throw them on the show. But, yes, Chris Turner has made a tackle. And he's actually been the one of the guys that slid inside on some of those uh, three defensive end because Missouri has no defensive tackle available packages. Yeah, it's uh, – I mean, he's he's played less as well. Um, I think, you know, Isaiah McGuire's kind of taken a lot more reps there and and, uh, and Trey Williams has slid in and taken more reps. But, yes, Chris Turner is – I mean, he's been fine. I think I think this is a more uh, representative amount of time he should be playing, like, you know, a third to half of the defensive snaps than, than playing like every snap like he did the last uh, year or two. So, so that actually kind of brings up something. I was talking about this on, I don't know, some – some platform earlier this week. I don't know where it was, but, um, <laughs> you know, I know it's a really popular thing to in year one of a new coach. And, and I want to be clear before I say any of this, that obviously Eli Drinkwitz has done a very good job. He has done things that Barry Odom never did. I am not arguing that Barry Odom should still be the coach or that he, Eli Drinkwitz is not an upgrade. I'm arguing none of that, but take a guy like Isaiah McGuire, Connor Bazelak. I mean, I, I absolutely am here for the argument he's taking these guys and doing things with them that maybe Barry Odom wouldn't have done. Uh, but I go back even to, to Gary Pinkle's first year and uh, our first bowl team, the 2003 Independence Bowl. There was so much talk about the awful situation Pinkle took over and how, how he had no talent and the players weren't any good and all that. And that team, it, it had Brad Smith. And without Brad Smith, it doesn't probably make that bowl game. But it also was built on guys like Zach Abram and Rob Draghi and A.J. Ricker, who Larry Smith recruited. And this team, like, yes, Eli Drinkwitz is doing an amazing job. But these guys, uh, I mean, they're, maybe there's more talent here than we thought there was a month ago. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that's very possible. Um, like, and they're, they're also, they're, it's kind of a combination of both. Like, you know, there's just, there's some young guys who like are going to play better than they did last year because they got a year of college under their belt. You know, Isaiah McGuire was a true freshman last year. Connor Baselak was a true freshman last year. Like, you know, I've seen a lot of people say like, oh, if, you know, Odom had just started Baselak last season. I mean, maybe, but he was, you know, an 18 year old coming out of playing in the wishbone. Like, I, I think it's very reasonable that he's better this year even after not having a lot of uh you know prep time during the se or during the off season with his knee surgery um than, than he was at this time last year at the same time though i mean i think there are point like ports uh parts of the team where you can point to and say yeah it looks like that's maybe better coaching and the offensive oh, yeah. line is really what comes to mind there um because that that group has really blown my expectations out of the water after being kind of a train wreck last year and losing three starters um so i think it's you know it's just a mixture of both um yeah. you know maybe some some better coaching but also you know yeah guys developing and, and maybe being better than we kind of thought they were uh, earlier this season even i would say offensive line and, and just the offensive scheme in general i mean that lsu yeah. game especially look lsu might be down they have more talent than missouri you can argue yeah. whether can Kentucky has more talent than Missouri or not. You can't really argue if LSU does. And and that was that was certainly a, a coaching win. Um, real quick, before we 
continue with the comments. Look, we're, we're up. Uh, we've got a few more people on here than, than we've had the last few Wednesdays, so we appreciate that. It's amazing what winning football does. Uh, you guys <laughs> like to talk about the team. So, uh, Eli Drinkwitz, thank you. Thank you guys for being here. And um, want to make sure that those of you who maybe are tuning in for the first time weren't here at the beginning of the show, check out 573Ts. Go to 573Ts.com. It is a completely online operation. That is 573Tees.com. They've got all kinds of stuff um, here. See, Columbia, that's a T-shirt uh, that I was dropped off today from 573Tees.com. They've got some Chief stuff. Uh, they've got some some local Columbia, some Missouri stuff, some Mizzou stuff. Uh, I know they've got some drink up t-shirts, some visors, all that. So anything that, that you guys might want, uh, whether it's Mizzou or other teams, other things around the area, check out 573tees.com. We want to thank them for, uh, for sponsoring this show and for being a part of what we're trying to do this season. So we want to make sure that, that we give them their uh, proper attention and make sure that you guys – Go check them out. Uh, so we will uh, get back to to some of your questions now. And Jake wants to know, worst case scenario, if Florida can't play and pulls a Wisconsin, what happens? I, that really is worst case scenario, not just for Missouri, but I think at this point, if Florida has another game pushed back, I think you're just kind of at the point where there's really nowhere to put that game. If this game doesn't get played this week, I don't know when this game can get played other than maybe December 19th, but then you're relying on Florida not being in the SEC title game picture. Right. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is you, you push a game back to the 19th and you, yeah, you just hope that neither team is, is in the, is in the title hunt or needs that game in it. But like, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, not crazy to think that Florida could enter like that December 12th weekend within two games of Georgia. And then it's like, how do you pick which game? Because you know, they, they would need to play two games to, to catch that up. So um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I don't know. I, I think at this point, obviously for this weekend, if something were to happen, it's too late to make something up, even with some SEC teams on by. I don't think you could spring that on someone and be like, hey, whoever, you know, South Carolina, you're playing Mizzou this week. Um, but and and then, yeah, it's the, the time to make it up. I mean, like, you know, Mizzou has a buy has that buy on on November 7th. So maybe you could shuffle some things around for them. So they're not playing on the 19th. But Florida would just be kind of like out of luck. Yeah, well, and. So that brings up kind of an interesting situation. I, I'm curious when a December 19th game would have to be scheduled because you've only got 10 games. The, yes, maybe Georgia goes into December 12th weekend with a two-game lead over everybody, and there's no way they can be caught and all that. And if that's the case, okay. But what if you go into December 12th and you're in a situation where, okay, if Georgia loses and Florida or Missouri or somebody wins – um, then we're in a situation where they could be in that title game. If they're not in the title game, do we just tell that team on Sunday morning? Oh yeah, cool. You're playing again next Saturday. Your season just got, extended. I mean, it's going to be kind of a mess, but, uh, at least we've gotten to the point where we understand we don't have to schedule football games 14 years in advance. That's true. That's hopefully, yeah, maybe we'll continue that trend, although not quite to this extreme, but yeah, I'd be curious, like, you know, say, you know, I don't know, man, Georgia and, and Florida have each one loss or something like that. I mean, obviously, I guess whoever won the head to head would be or it's actually no. Here's my example. Uh, Georgia and Florida both have one loss. Florida won the head to head. 
but still has like two more games on its right. schedule going into December 12th and Georgia has finished all their games. Yeah. Which game do you make Florida play on the 12th? And you know, it like, do you try to make a play both? I mean, like, I guess you would just give it to them because they got the tiebreaker assuming they won that one. I'm sure. Um, because even if they played one. few, even if they played fewer games, yeah. but like, yeah, what if like, it's a harder game that's on night? Like it, it is a little bit, you know, complicated, um, to try to figure out how that would all work. I'm here for the outrage from Columbus when three and O Ohio state is left out of the playoffs. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's going to be awesome because I, I was talking with a couple of people and I include us in this. Uh, this is not like a shot at fans, but it's kind of amazing to me how quickly we've all just adopted the regular football season attitudes, right? Like mm -hmm. I, it, it, we started this going, just get games and everything will be fine. And now like when we're breaking down games, when fans are watching games, nobody's thinking about, oh yeah, but they have 27 guys out with COVID. We're just thinking, Right. Why'd you suck this weekend? <laughs> you know, um, right. Or, or yeah. Why did you know? Or yeah. Why did you, were you not prepared for this? Well, we didn't practice all summer. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Hey, uh, kudos to us for getting back to regular football, even if, uh, if they're not, but that brings up kind of another thing I've wanted. I texted a couple of people this and I, you know, the sec pushed back uh, what I guess three weeks from when they were supposed to start the big 10 obviously quit and came back and, I wonder if – because the conclusion everyone eventually came to was we're playing football and we don't care if we have class or not. What if they had come to that conclusion in June and said, look, we're, going, we're probably going online first semester. We're going to start football season on August 25th. Like, we'd be almost done. They, they might have actually been able to play a football season if they'd done it that way, right? Yeah, I mean – I think I like the question I would be gifts, right. Like the question would be, can they do that or could they have done that? And then actually said like, yeah, because of football, we want you all to do classes online right. because I still think well, there's a case to be up with, They would have come up with some fake reason why it was. I right, mean, right, right. Said. But like, even the, I'm, I'm curious if even the fake reason would have been like, you know, would have worked. Cause I still think like universities would prioritize in-person classes over football because that makes them a lot more money, um, you know, just with the size of enrollment um, and, you know, living expenses for however many students on campus and stuff like that. But um, like, and, and I do think there's a case to be made that like TSEC still kind of found the right window of not waiting too long, giving itself some flexibility, but also not having people on ca on campus when students first came back. Um, because I, I do think, you know, cases were probably a little bit higher at that point. Um, but also maybe, but there's also the case to be made that it's going to get worse as everyone does more and more things inside and we haven't even got there yet. And it's all going to fall apart in that way. Like, I don't mean all fall apart. Like, the SEC season is going to be stopped, but like we're seeing with the big 10 right now. So right. yeah, I, I, I do think like, yeah, maybe in hindsight, it would have been good just to, you know, start earlier when the weather was a little warmer, but like we were just in no position to do that. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, okay. We're going back uh, hot shoulders. I, I'm curious the origin of this name, but I, I'm not sure I want to know, but uh, I saw Ben key on the depth chart. Have we seen him yet? I don't, I haven't noticed him in a game, but it, it's possible he played against LSU. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he did. I'm pretty certain he's not seen the field. If he if he has, it's been for like less than ten snaps. Okay, okay. Um, uh, case uh, Missouri versus I assume AK is supposed to be Arkansas, not Alaska. But if Missouri plays Alaska, <laughs> I'm there for the. I'd like to go see the the return game. Uh, is going to be the storyline game of the year in the SEC. It's definitely going to be one of them. Do you guys know why it's on Saturday this year? Because 
it was supposed to be at Arrowhead. I I don't really know. Maybe at the beginning of the year, the SEC is like, eh, these teams aren't going to be very good. I don't really want to put this game on Friday. I don't think that's it because that's always – that. I think, I think <laughs> they've always, regardless of how bad – I mean, last year they put it on a Friday and, like, I mean, granted, Missouri was supposed to be better, but everyone knew Arkansas was going to stink. Uh, I think it was more just like – they're not trying to mess with they're trying to mess with the schedule as little as possible right now. Just keep everything on Saturday. You know, no one's doing like a Thursday night game. No one's doing a Friday game. It's just, you know, keep the testing the same every week and and try to just make the, you know, as few deviations as possible. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh okay. Um is Drew Locke the starting quarterback in Denver at the beginning of next season? I mean, I like you know more about Denver than I do, but he has to be, right? I mean, I can't see um, a situation where they just give up that that quickly unless they fire probably, Vic Fangio and he wants somebody new. I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't Here's the thing. Like, I, I think the rest of this season for the Broncos is at this point pretty much just dedicated to figuring out if Drew Locke can be the guy. Right. And if you have serious reservations, I could see a scenario where, you know, with the amount of good quarterbacks available in the draft, you trade up a few picks and try to get one of the, you know, kind of big three that, you know, Fields, Lance and uh, and, and Trevor Lawrence. Now, then you're not going to trade all the way up to the number one pick. But if if they're if Drew Locke's bad, they're probably going to be bad and they might not have to trade up too far or at all. Yeah. Um, but I think it's much more likely than not that Drew Locke's still the quarterback next year. I don't, you know, he's, he's had injuries. I don't think they would pull the plug on him this quickly. He, his team more importantly has had tons of injuries. Um, and there's just been so much turnover there in Denver. I would not be surprised if they, you know, tried to avoid going or firing their coach after two seasons, like they have, like you're losing their coach after two seasons, like they have like the last three coaches. So well, and, and we'll if, see if you get rid of Drew Locke, that kind of brings or if you move on from him, like that's got to cost John Elway his job and it's got to be kind of hard to fire John Elway as the Denver Broncos, doesn't it? Yeah, that's true. Although, I mean, maybe that's what the team needs at this point. Like right. I, I very much have great respect for John Elway, the player, but uh, maybe he needs to be like reshuffled into a less prominent role because the GMing I think has been the issue. One of I, the big issues. I personally have great respect for John Elway, the GM, the player trash <laughs> GM, Excellent job thus far. Um, but like, look to to go back to the Drew Lock and the Missouri thing. I mean, is it correct? I think I heard somewhere that he is five and one, either four and one or five and one against everybody else, and zero oh and three against the Chiefs, right? So he's actually been pretty um, good against other. I teams. think he's. I think he's only played the Chiefs twice. Okay. Um, because oh, the right, first time Joe Flacco in the first Flacco. Chiefs game yeah. last year. Yeah, I think I think Locke's only played the Chiefs twice, both so times like in a blizzard. I don't know if that actually helps him, but what's that? He's like five and one against everybody else, and zero and two against the Chiefs. Yeah, I think he has like two losses against everyone else, but yeah, something like that. He has not been, and both Chiefs games have been blowouts, and both have been in a blizzard. I don't know if that's an actual excuse, but I mean, also the Chiefs are just better, right? And and like, look, I you will find few bigger fans of Drew Locke than me. I want the kid to be great. Um, that. That first half was really ugly on Sunday. I mean, that was that was that was not NFL quarterback level play. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. that I I have pause right now about that's what I was you know without super conviction and and answering about next season because he's not been good the last two games. Now the the Patriots game he didn't have to win, but I mean barely. He threw two picks late. He kind of tried to give the game away, and and really it's just been the decision making, and that's 
that that trouble that's troublesome um you know it's it, i guess it's easier to teach that than it is like having the arm or whatever but right. it, it's been it's it's kind of the same thing as we've seen you know we saw in college and so it's been a lot of years now of watching drew go oh yes great play oh no what are you doing like right. that that should never even enter your mind um so right. i don't know we'll see we'll see it's it's harder too when you've got you know at least two other very, very good quarterbacks in the division who make it seem like you're going to have to score a lot of points to uh, to win games. And, and this Broncos team right now is just not set up to do that. Yeah. Um, all right, so going back to kind of the discussion we were having earlier, Cameron says, since there's more talent left over from Barry than we thought, isn't that a bigger indictment on the previous staff and last season considering the schedule? And, yeah, like that's a fair take. Again, I did not say any of that as a defense of Barry Odom. I think if anything – the last two weeks have proven probably Missouri made the right call uh, moving on. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I, I'm not trying to, to, uh, you know, white knight for Barry Odom and saying he should still be the coach here. Uh, just, just pointing out that, that maybe after the Tennessee game and, and I include myself in this, we, we underestimated the talent. Uh, Travis says Derek Dooley went from Mizzou in 2019 to the New York Giants in 2020. Rough times for that guy, but we should be thanking him for Basilak. Fair point on on all of it. Yeah, um, at least as the Giants' tight ends coach. I doubt he's really being faulted for what's happening in New York. That's true. Although I, I, Evan Ingram did have a big drop last week. For some reason, I watched the Giants on last Thursday night. It's just yeah, not a lot. They just cut cut the second half of that game. Not a lot going on. Uh, and Evan Ingram had a key drop. So maybe they're out for Dooley's head. Yeah. Um, Ron brings up a point that we brought up. Yes. Uh, it, when when all the schedules are being shuffled around, yes, it proves they don't need to schedule games thirteen years in advance and in bowl games ed brings up a good point did you see that last week that army has accepted an independence bowl bid <laughs> i did good yeah i mean I yeah well i don't they only have like a few like three games on their schedule or something like that like they've played like they they've played all their games except for like yeah. the air force and navy game. i don't know so why yeah, whatever i, I haven't played, like i haven't played a lot bowl of games, games. I don't know. Bowl games are always kind of dumb, but this year, like, I just don't care. But look, if I was, if my team was going to accept a bowl bid three months in advance, if I was like, all right, we got to get this locked down. It's Halloween. What bowl game are we going to? Shreveport. Let me tell you where damn Shreveport is on the list of calls I'm making. Like, I, I'm trying the Bahamas Bowl. Okay, you canceled. All right, what if Hawaii, you canceled. All right, uh, Rose Bowl ain't going to take us. Quick lane bowl. Will you take us? You know, go to anything. Just with the Pro Bowl. Can we play there? <laughs> anything. Oh, all right. I guess we're going to Shreveport. Worst, uh, worst bowl ever. Um, that's really all I have to say about it. We're not. We're not getting sponsored by the Independence Bowl this year. I mean, the Independence Bowl has had a, so many sponsors. At one point, it was the Pool on Weed Eater Independence Bowl. <laughs> I know I, that's my favorite one. Um, they, I didn't know that one. I, I I know like I think most recently it was like Walk-Ons, which is like Walk-Ons. a very small restaurant chain in Louisiana. Right. That would be the equivalent of like I I, I can't even think like because I'd never heard of that. So I hadn't either. I, yeah. I mean, it would be like the Deerbergs Independence Bowl or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. Never, or like the sh- Sugar Fire. Yeah. Yeah. There was a it, it was a it was the Mainstay Independence Bowl for a while. I do not know what Mainstay is. Um, I'm I, trying to think. I feel like mm. maybe there was an insurance company 
Uh, oh, that's an e- that's a safe bet. Yeah. I think Advocare at one point, yes. the like uh, supplement company. Yeah, Missouri played. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure in the Advocare Independence Bowl. I think that was. That's uh, why I think that's why I know that one. Yeah, the game against North Carolina. Either way, they're I'm sure they're all great companies. Still, awful, <laughs> awful, awful bowl game, awful location. So I noticed uh, we had a couple of basketball questions in here. I've been kind of holding them. Um, so it's October 28th. We are theoretically. I saw. I wish I loved anything in life as much as John Rothstein loves college basketball because he tweeted today, four weeks from today, college basketball games will be played. And I just kind of thought, will they? Maybe. (laughs) Um, We'll see. They're they're allowed to be played if anyone can schedule any. I mean, legitimately, Missouri has no idea what the schedules. Nobody even knows if there are non-conference games that are going to. I know Matt Norlander earlier this week tweeted out, it's looking more and more like they're going to go conference only. I've heard, uh, I I think your dad actually tweeted out, and I forget what conference it was, but some conferences basically agreed to do round-robin things where, like, at one site you play the same team, like, on back-to-back nights, and then the next week you play another team on back-to-back nights. Um but no, nobody knows what they're going to do yet. Yeah, it's kind of a mess. And, you know, it's it's sort of similar to football where it's like, you know, at, at first after, you know, the basketball thing got shut down, they're like, ah, we got time. We'll figure it out. And then it's like a month away from the season. Everyone's scrambling and panicking, having to change things. And this might be even more so because people have had football to distract them. Whereas, you know, during the summer, at least during the summer every day, it was like, all right, what's the deal with football? What's the deal with football? Like no one's even been paying attention to basketball until it's like, oh yeah, shouldn't you have figured that out by now? <laughs> I mean, do you not have anybody in your athletic department who actually just works on basketball? Is that, is yeah. there somebody who can do that? Um, and it, it actually, it, that's a good point though, with, with football kind of being there to distract people. And we went through this period where like Sundays were golf and NFL games and Saturdays was baseball and basketball and football and everything was happening. I, I think today's the first day in like months that I don't think there's a major sporting event, right? Cause it was yeah, maybe yeah. Be I was game thinking seven. that as well. Yeah. yeah I mean, there, there might've been, there might've been another day between the end of the, or yeah, I don't know. And into the NBA finals, but once the MLB playoffs baseball, started, I don't know. Yeah. Baseball, yeah. No, I can't, I can't think of it. Yeah. I think this is the first one sad that's why we're on the air. We're, we're providing the service for you all. You're welcome. <laughs> right. When, when no sports are happening, the five, seven, three report is here. Um, it's going to take me a minute. I do know that there is another uh, basketball question. Let me uh, scroll through it. Okay. When does the Conzo hot seat start talk over under three and a half games? Like, look, it started. I mean, it started last year at the latest, but so if this had been a normal off season, I can see scenarios where Conzo is coaching for his job this year. I now see no scenario where that's true. Right. Yeah. I was, yeah. I mean, I was going to say like the hot, it, it depends who you're talking about doing the talking for the hot seat. Like it started maybe among fans, but like serious hot seat talk among people who matter not before the 2021-2022 season, you Minimum know, it's a- 15 months from now. Yeah. Yeah. It, because, look, first of all, there's money involved here. I mean, if it was after this year, Missouri would owe him $6 million. I don't know where that money's coming from. Second of all, um, they could actually, I know this is a novel concept, but, like, they could be better than you think they're going to be this year. <laughs> um, but a third of all, like, 
we have no idea what the schedule is. I mean, yeah, they've kind of practiced, but the dudes were home all summer long. I mean, kind of like we said about football, I don't realistically know how you hold a coach responsible for not being good this year. Right. Yeah. If they're if they're not good, it, it's so easy to just point at yeah the the off season disaster that happened and, and yeah and then yeah, yeah I mean you're you're gonna say really you're gonna pay six million dollars to make me go away after after I didn't get to coach my team for you know seven months or whatever I don't know yeah just it's not realistic in my mind yeah um okay Georgia has a big stretch coming up at Kentucky Florida at Mizzou I mean realistically because I think their other crossover game is Auburn. Yeah. realistically in three weeks, Georgia could have the sec East one. I yeah. mean, because does anybody that saw that Kentucky team really think Kentucky's going to beat them this week? I, I, I no. just see zero chance of that happening. So if they go beat Florida and Missouri, I mean, then both those teams are going to have at least two or three losses Georgia's going to have one and they're going to have the tiebreaker and Georgia's pretty much going to have the thing wrapped up. So it is a critical stretch. And obviously Missouri fans are, are looking at that thinking, Hey, maybe Missouri can beat Florida and then Georgia can, or Florida can beat Georgia and, and all that. But uh, you're not getting in the, at this point, Missouri probably has to beat Florida and Georgia to get in the title game. Right. Yeah. I think so. I mean, I just, I like I, I, I know it's kind of, I don't, talk. yeah, I don't mean to like, you know, put down the job the staff is doing and all that, this and the excitement for the season. Good. Be excited. But it's just, I'm not ready to talk about the SEC title right. game. I'm just right. not, we're not there. Like talk to me after these next two well, games. Although I did realize when I was looking at, uh, when I was looking at putting the, the ticker scores in and we've got all the SEC games running across, like we're halfway done after Saturday. And I mean, Alabama's playing game yeah. six on Saturday. And yeah. Some, some teams are already halfway done. Some teams are only a third of the way done. <laughs> some teams might be all the way done and have only played one game, you know, yeah. uh, what's up Wisconsin. Um, no, but it just seems like, it seems like it took two or three weeks for it to feel like football season. And then it's kind of felt like football season the last couple of weeks. And now all of a sudden it's like, Oh, we're kind of almost getting to the end of football season. I don't like it. Yeah. I mean, just yeah, shorter, shorter season. Yeah. No good. Um, okay. Jake wants to know, do you like or dislike the uh, truck and taunt play from last Saturday? So I, Mitch, you know, which play he's talking about. I assume I, I <laughs> like, I think it's okay to say I like it. Eli Drinkwitz should like it. And it probably should have been a taunting penalty or yeah. seven taunting penalties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean like I don't know. I I don't have strong opinions about it. I think it's kind of fun. Like I I've never been someone who's like gotten upset about people like running their mouths or, you know, gesturing or celebrating on a football field like whatever. You get, you know, well, you've got 80,000 people watching you or whatever. Like do your thing. I mean, I don't I, know. Everyone I was a little upset when Missouri defensive backs were celebrating when Alabama was beating them 28 to 3. I mean, yeah. there is a time and place for this. You know, I, I guess I agree. I but at the same that. time, I'm like, you know, if we're telling them, like, go perform in front of a billion people and everyone wants to cheer for you, but then also, like, don't do – I don't know. Whatever. Okay. I just don't get worked up about it either way is my point. Look, Probably Should it have been a penalty? Yes. Was it kind of cool? Yes. Right. Did, is it good for the program to go all over Twitter? Sure. That's the, the end of my thoughts. <laughs> if I'm Marcus Johnson – I'm figuring out which coach laid out Darius Robinson and I'm asking him maybe <laughs> if he can play offensive line. Cause I mean, that was pretty textbook. That was, that was pretty yeah. good. 
Um, that was funny. Also, pretty impressive that that was like Larry Roundtree's 37th carry, and he just laid a guy out, you know? Um, yeah, I think that was, yeah, the most impressive part of the whole, like, the most fun part of the whole play. Yeah, is he's still running hard at that point. And also, like, you know, shows what the, I think. I mean, like, the team would have got excited probably no matter what, but I think also because it was him. He, he's just, it shows how well-liked he is. Yeah, and uh, so, yeah, he's going to be the – Leading running back all time in Missouri in Missouri history after this weekend, right? At some point soon. Uh, I mean, maybe he needs like 50 yards, I think. 54 yards maybe to tie 55, I guess, to pass. I could be wrong on that. But uh, yeah, it should happen. I mean, it will happen barring like injury. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, all right. So one more time, 573Ts. Go to 573Ts.com. Check them out. Uh Give them your business, uh, buy a cool shirt from them. There are plenty of them. Uh, real quick, uh, we're going to wrap up by by looking at the other SEC games real quick, kind of running through them. But uh, BJ had a question, and I, and I don't know the answer to this. Mitch, I think you might because you wrote a story on him earlier. What the Greenwood High School coach that Drinkwitz hired is doing, uh, do you know what his role is this year? Uh, not exactly. It's an off field role. So he's not like, you know, in there in practice every day. I think self-scouting, like BJ said, is a decent summation of it. I mean, he's just, he's just kind of like another, you know, a resource. He, he, yeah, can help watch film of whatever needs to be watched and, and provide input on various things and, you know, someone to bounce, uh, you know, decisions and stuff like that off of, um, no, I'm, I'm sure yeah. it is. Basically the, the, uh, it's the Charlie strong slash Butch Jones role at Mizzou. Right. I'm sure his title is analyst of something. Yes, I mean, it is. He is an analyst. Uh, Cameron says, after several down years, it sucks that we can't financially capitalize this year on the momentum. Actually, Jim Stark said that publicly a couple weeks ago. His biggest disappointment with this season was he can't sell tickets when Georgia and LSU and Alabama all came to Furrow Field. Uh, I mean, that's I, I, yeah. I feel confident saying we're never going to see that happen again. Never seen all three of them. Yes, that is – yeah, that is true. I guess, you know, it's one of those things you can look at it that way or you can look at it, look at it like, well, it's better than nothing. You would right. have made a lot less money if they didn't play. So, But if you yeah. were if you were one of the 11,700 people there, though, like you're going to be able to say, hey, I was, I was in the stadium when Missouri beat LSU. Uh, yeah. There's, there's yeah. only 11,700 who can say it, but more than that, I'm sure, will eventually say it. Um, <laughs> all right, so um, the rest of the SEC schedule, like we kind of touched on it, Georgia, Kentucky, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but here's what we found out about Kentucky last week. If you don't give them the football, they're not ro- really good enough to beat a decent team. Yeah, 100%. And if you make them throw, if you don't let it run the ball every play. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't see, like you said earlier, I don't see any way that can, I don't think they score on that Georgia defense unless they get a turnover or maybe they'll get a field goal. But there, I see almost no way they find the end zone unless their defense does it for them. All right, LSU Auburn. Like there was a time this was going to be a really good game, and now it's. I think it's going to be a competitive game, but it's almost kind of like which one of you is less disappointing um, yeah. <laughs> halfway through the season. LSU actually has some reason to feel good after last week. Uh, Auburn, I mean, Auburn has three wins. <laughs> one clearly shouldn't have been a win. One maybe shouldn't have been a win. So. I guess they beat Kentucky and that's kind of what they're happy about at this point. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, you're right. It is just the, yeah. Who is, who is freaking out less bull um, who's less eager to fire their coach. I mean, LSU, their backup quarterback looked good. Like I, that was my biggest reservation about them. Obviously they didn't look good against Mizzou, but I thought against South Carolina, they would lose that. I picked them to lose just because Miles Brennan wasn't playing, but their offense is still okay. Um, And like, I don't know. I just feel like Auburn's due to run out of luck. Yeah. Well, and LSU, like they don't want to fire their coach because a, Dude won the national title last year. And B, right, like, right, right, right. B, they actually like him. Like, I don't think they That's want true. Ed Orgeron to fail. Auburn actively wants Gus to fail, um, which That's is true. It is different and, situations, but I just talking about the fan freak out meter, you right. know. I do think Gus will fail this week. I think LSU will, will probably win that game. Um, Ole Miss and Vanderbilt. Like, Ole Miss is kind of the opposite of Auburn. They're one and four, but they seem like they're much better than that. Um, I mean, they've they've been in. They could easily have beaten Auburn. They were they were in the game with Alabama. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, they were in the game with Arkansas. Really, realistically, could have won that if Matt Corral didn't throw nineteen interceptions. <laughs> um, and and like I was talking to my friend that runs our old Miss site a couple weeks ago, and it's like, look, if you're not going to be good, be entertaining and relevant. And Ole Miss is that. Yeah. Yeah. They are, and they have a coach who's funny on Twitter. Right. Um, yeah, like they're very they're they're. Yeah, they're they're on people's minds much more than you would think, and a one and four team would be, and like they should win this week. I mean, you know, Vanderbilt's a disaster. Vanderbilt they're they're bad, and they haven't played in a while. Um, I, the line was huge in that game. We did our picks. I think it was like eighteen. That might be big, but I certainly don't. I think Ole Miss should handle business there. Yeah, Vanderbilt's heading toward zero and ten. Uh, Mississippi State at Alabama, like, oh my God, thirty Oof. points. I think is the line, and the, and that seems think, fair. Yeah. Even without yeah, Jalen Waddle, yeah, I think like the only question is how soon does Nick Saban take out his starters? Because like that game could be seventy to zero, or it could be like kind of like the Mizzou game where it's like you know he gets up thirty five and they take him out, and then Ole Miss scores a touchdown or two, and it's like you know forty two fourteen, and they don't cover. Um, either way, Alabama wins big. Most most intriguing to me game this week is Arkansas A and M. I feel like Arkansas is getting a little too much credit for what they've done. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. When you're coming from where they came from, it, it's it, they are certainly improved. But there's still, they're still a long way to climb. I, I kind of feel like this is the week that Arkansas kind of comes back to earth a little bit. Yeah, maybe. I also think it's possible, though, that AM's getting too much credit for one win because they were like they were not very good in their first two games. I mean, they only beat Vandy by what, like seven or something like that in the season opener. And then um, I mean, yeah, they like scored some points against Alabama, but they were uh, they were not a threat to win that game. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of I can go either way. Like you said, like I kind of think both teams might be getting a little more credit than they deserve. Probably think AM wins just followed the talent. But I mean, like I wouldn't be stunned if Arkansas, you know, gets a few turnovers and 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 keeps it close. But that said, Arkansas's turnover luck is due to run out a little bit. AM played Florida and it did not get COVID. Like, way to go, A&M. You're saving the SEC. <laughs> that is big. That was big for, like, the whole sport. Yeah, right. that, that was. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not a Texas A&M fan, but they deserve it. They did well social distancing in that game. I'm very impressed with uh, with their <laughs> efforts to not catch the coronavirus. So, um, I don't know. We think we're, we think we're going to be back on, on Saturday um, unless – Something happened. I, did you catch in Drinkwitz's press conference? He said last week he got the text that they were good to go at one twenty six a.m. on Friday. 
Yeah. It, yeah, that seems like an inconvenient time. I mean, <laughs> there's no way he read it, right? Like, I mean, my phone goes I on silent that. at 10. You text I, me yeah. at 126 in the morning and wake me up. I'm pretty pissed off. Yeah, even if it's important. Like, yeah, I can't wait. He, always, I remember, too, he says he wakes up early. He had a really specific time. I think he, like, corresponded with, like, a viral verse, like, you know, 5.14 a.m. or something like that. Okay. So, like, there wasn't that much. Not, not that much happens between 1.26 and 5.14. Hopefully he gets that, that amount of sleep. And, and who's texting him at 1.26? Like, why couldn't you text him at 6.30 the next morning and be like, we're good, coach? Like, why yeah, does he get to know at 1.26? I don't know. But yeah, I mean, um, I, I will say also one thing I forgot to mention earlier uh, when you, you you jogged my memory when you said, did you catch uh, earlier this week? Drinkwitz did say they're down a couple more scholarship players than they were uh, last week. Um, so that's something to watch out for. And then later in his press conference, he said, like he was talking about building a game plan. He said, like, you know, we, we figured out like who we have available and we go from there, which like maybe is nothing. Maybe means that there's a different set of people who are available than last week's game. And it was some offensive linemen who had, who were banged up something to watch. Um, you know, when we, just another thing where we talk about the key is who's available for each team. No question. Um, so appreciate all you guys uh, joining us tonight. Five, seven, three tees.com making the show possible. We are going to be back on Saturday. We're planning four forty-five. For the pregame show, Mitch will be uh, joining me for at least a, a fair amount of the watch along because it is a road game and we're not traveling to talk to Eli Drinkwitz on the computer this year. So um, we will we will both be here with you all game day long. And uh, I don't know. I don't think anything else is happening, is it? Oh, man, no, I don't think so. Like we just said, we're kind of in a dearth of sports other than football right now. So we're the best we're the best entertainment you got. Absolutely. So thanks for watching, guys. Before you uh, log off, hit the like button, um, subscribe to the channel, share the show, let people know. Uh, again, pretty good, uh, pretty good numbers this week. More people here than were here last week. I have faith if Missouri beats Florida, we'll have more people next week than this week. But even if they don't, maybe you guys can tell people about the show and, uh, you know, tell everyone how amazing it is, how humorous we are. Um, Get well, Bob Douglas. Um, we hope that your isolation goes well. In all seriousness, we hope you feel no ill effects. Uh, we hope you are here to comment about the wondrousness of Mitchell every week. And uh, at least I do. I don't know if Mitch hopes that, but I do. So anyway, thanks for watching, guys. We'll uh, talk to you on Saturday.